0: You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte,
1: here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring
0: you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience.
1: Let's jump right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we have a good buddy of mine coming on the show today. His name's Nicholas LaFlair. He is the senior commercial loan officer of Visions Federal Credit Union based out of Syracuse, New York. Uh, Nicholas has done a bunch of my mortgages on my rental properties, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity to have him come in today, talk to you guys about commercial lending, uh, lending on rental properties, lending with an LLC, for liability protection, which we'll get into in another episode. And so I hope he'll be able to answer a lot of your guys' questions because I know people are used to doing residential mortgages versus commercial. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am Dante Belmonte. Today, I'm here with Nicholas LaFleur, the Senior Commercial Loan Officer of Visions Federal Credit Union in Central New York. Nick, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Dante. And uh Thanks for putting these podcasts together. I know they're uh, very influential for a lot of people um, really throughout the country. And that's the nice part about the podcast is, you know, anybody can listen from anywhere in the country and get the information. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm Nicholas LaFleur. I'm the Senior Commercial Loan Officer at Visions Federal Credit Union in Syracuse. Um, So I can, you know, here to talk to you and uh, clue in the listeners about any, you know, questions that they might have and give them information about, um, you know, the commercial loans and the commercial loan process, not specifically what Visions has to offer, but more of what you're going to see as far as an industry standard
1: across the board, pretty much. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Nicholas is one of my commercial lenders that I actually use on some of my rentals. So, th- I thought, you know, the great purpose of having you on this show would be to talk about, you know, commercial lending, lending with an LLC, uh, lending on mm-hmm. rental properties. I know a lot of people have questions about that. And I thought we could basically go through the difference a little bit of what residential is versus commercial lending and the benefits of commercial lending and and how it's really going to look for someone, especially, you know, someone that's foreign to the commercial side of real estate. So how long have you uh, been in the lending industry and how long with visions?
0: Yeah. So I started out in lending right when I graduated. Um, Actually I was in lending when I was in college in 2015 um, in my senior year, I had an internship with a lender down there. Um not doing so much real estate lending, but um, more of like the personal and consumer lending um, okay. side of things, uh, right. you know, w- worked my way up, um, then eventually made the transition over, you know, traditional banking. And that's kind of lending with mortgages and residential mortgages and, and, um, and uh, home equity lending. Um, and then. About a year ago, just un- just under a year, I'm coming up on a year. Made the transition over into commercial lending, and that's kind of the path um, that every you know anybody that's, that's really into lending and into banking and into finance, um, you know, that's the kind of the career path. And you know, I'm just fortunate to be doing it at such a young age and, and making that transition. Um, and really, only a four-year lending career, um, right. making that transition into the commercial side of things. So I've been with Visions for um, just under a year. We're I'm coming
1: up on that one-year anniversary uh, next month. Okay, congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. And you, you know, you've done a wonderful job. What I've done together with you so far, you've done great. And anytime I have a question, you, you're always able to answer. I'll shoot you a text or call you. You'll be able to answer it. And if you can't, you find out and you get back to me, which is great. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's huge yeah. for a lender. You know, a relationship yeah. with a lender.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's important to find a lender that you can have that kind of relationship with, whether you know how big or how small your lending portfolio is um, you know, your lender should always value, value you the same, you know, whether you're a, um, you know, hundred thousand dollar, um, credit or you're a, you know, a $40 million real estate credit, you know, your lender right. should have the same care for you regardless of, you know, what your size is, because you never know what their, you know, what potential is, is, uh, what, what exactly. door could open. I, I right. Guess you got to start
1: somewhere. It. I mean, these guys that have huge portfolios, they have to start somewhere. So if you <laughs> exactly. treat them right, you'll be the one to hold on to them for that longevity. Bingo. Um, yep. So, Visions Federal Credit Union, you guys are a credit union. With that yep. said, does that mean you guys are a portfolio lender? We are. Yep, yep. So
0: okay. we service all of our loans. Um, we handle all of the um, credit analysis, all of that uh, information on the commercial side of things, uh, right in-house. And uh, we, um, you know, once we book a loan, you know, from application until that loan gets paid
1: off, um, you know, it's managed by by our team. Right, so it stays in house. So those of you yep. that don't understand a portfolio lender or portfolio loan, um, it's exactly what it sounds like. It stays in the Visions portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't get sold on the second market. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Nicholas. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the way the commercial side of things go. Uh, right, it's different on the
0: residential, but yeah, of our, course. all of our commercial loans stay do stay in house.
1: Okay, awesome. So with that said, let's dive in. I'll let you kind of you know take the reins. I'll be asking you some questions throughout, but please you know go right ahead.
0: All right. No problem. Um, so yeah, I mean, the the, the main thing is to, um, you know, l- let me start out with a little bit of what I do. So I, I'm a yeah, senior commercial officer. So, you know, there's, it's twofold. Um, you know, I do the real estate side of things, but then I also do um, the, they, they would call it commercial and industrial lending or the, it's more of an operational lending standpoint where you're lending specifically to a business to keep their operations going versus the real estate holding. But, you know, I'm going to focus on the, you know, real estate holding side of thing and the real estate lending that, that I do. Um, you know, so I, I originate loans really anywhere from 50000 to you know $50,000 to $20 million. Um. It starts out with you know an interview a face to face if you can do it um, with a potential member or the potential borrower um, just kind of see who they are what they're looking to do um, you know not just on this deal but continuing a relationship down the road what their their plans are and you know start to narrow it down to okay that specific first deal what are we looking at um, <clears throat> as far as financing what do you have for down payment as far as structure for term amortization. Um, you know, what I think I might be able to come in at on rate, things along those, you know, uh, along that, that line of, uh, you know, conversation. And mm-hmm. then we kind of kind of talk about the whole process, what it's going to look like, application, underwriting, approval, commitment, you know, the attorneys being involved on both on the on the borrower side and on the bank side, then closing. And even beyond that, you know, the annual collection of financial statements, all of that, you know, I'm, I'm going to brief, you know, somebody through that process, you know, right from the get go so that they, they know what's there. You know, I'm always analyzing markets and things like that. So that's, that's basically on the commercial side of things and the real estate side, how that um, really takes place and how that unfolds. Um, and you know, for the people that are starting out with commercial lending and, and they've never done a commercial loan before, they've never met with a commercial lender um, you know, what they can kind of expect differences between a residential loan and a commercial loan. Um, there's a lot of flexibility when it comes to terms and conditions of the commercial loan Most versus definitely. a resident. Yeah. Versus a residential loan. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's sometimes it's a surprise to people. Um, but it, uh, you know, when you, when you're applying for a residential mortgage, you know, you're you're pretty much taking uh information down you're putting it into a system and it's basically saying you know you're approved or denied based off of your debt to income ratio your credit score your income um you you know you're probably going to be between a five percent down payment or or a 20 percent down payment as far as a a residential loan goes um so that that's you know i call that like black and white lending um everything is out on paper and in front of you and you know you're either approved or denied um, based off of, you know, a little bit of information difference with that is, um, <clears throat> the commercial lending, we have a lot more flexibility. Um, we're mainly looking at that property and how that property is cash flowing versus how that individual person is cash flowing. Um, because it, you know, worst case scenario, we have to take that property back over as a financial institution. We need to make sure that that, um, property can, can pay the bill for us. We're just going right, to take it. has got to perform
1: for you guys. the had to take over.
0: Correct. Yep. Yep. We're going to have to manage it, um, and and we're going to keep the same tenants that are in there. We're going to manage it. We're going to, you know, monitor the cash flow, the whole nine yards. So, so that's one of the main things that you're looking at: is residential versus commercial. Residential is very um, strict guidelines and strict qualifications and standard requirements and standard approvals. Um, versus your residential or, or your commercial loan. My, my apologies, your commercial loan. There's going to be less regulation. Um, the terms and conditions are going to be flexible. Um, you know, you can talk with your lender and say, "Hey, can I run this out to a 25-year amortization?" Or um, maybe, maybe he might say, "No, you know, I'd like to keep this on a 20-year amortization." You
1: have the cash flow to do so. Um, so you get to negotiate that. Um, right, you can play so- around with the terms a lot more than the residential side. Yep. Yep,
0: and, and and you know we call that the structure of the deal. Um, there's more negotiation on that side of things, and you'll work with your lender to 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 underwrite that deal to to get something that's working for both of you. You might have some uh, like contingency on approval. so we'll approve this loan as long as you uh, can provide a signed lease. So a, a good example would be if you had a property um, and maybe it was a 10 unit, um, and you needed to get uh, you know in order for that property to cash flow, you had to get uh, you know, nine of ten units occupied. So maybe at the current time, um, you might have it, or you might be purchasing it, and they might say, "You, we will approve you. You're approved, but you must um, occupy this, uh, you know, uh, this this unit or or X amount of units by a certain date." Right. You um, have so to there's... get it
1: rented out to have the cash flow or the income on the property yep. stabilized. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, maybe they can run an interest only period for you if you're doing something that's uh, like a value add deal, um, where you, know, you need some time to go in there and, and get these, these apartments or wherever it might be, these units up to standard, um, so that you can get a market rent for them for the, for the cash flow. So maybe you're running a one year interest only, and then thereafter you're making principal and interest payments. And that's just something you're not going to see on the residential side of things. Right. Um, you don't see nice that
1: flexibility about. of the structure, which is, which is yeah. great with commercial.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, it gives you. It, it's like I said, it's really finding out what works for the bank and what, and what works for the borrower as well, and and that's where you have to have that open communication line with your lender, um, because you know they're really there to work with you and and, and help you out, um, and you're gonna work with them. You know, when you sign a a residential mortgage, you sign it, you never see your lender again, typically. You know, right? Um, that that mortgage is probably gonna get sold off a few times. Your commercial lender, you're gonna be working with them year in and year out day in and day out, month in, month out, week in and week out. So it's, it, there's, you're going to want to have a good communication line with them.
1: Right. Like you said, you know, you're, you're checking in with financials yearly um, or however often you do P and statements, stuff like that. Um, so again, it's just so important to have that relationship with your lender. We, you know, we can't stress that enough. You obviously can't stress that enough too. Um, the investors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's important to be transparent with them. And if you're running into difficulties as well, you know, once the loans on the books, we have programs, you know, lenders always have programs to help you out and they might have additional information that you might not know. And we're always looking at the market to see, okay, what's the market rent? Maybe, you know, you have to do something where, um, the rent's so competitive in the area you got to go in and put flat screens on all the units and you know somebody might not think about that until they talk to their lender because the lender's got a whole portfolio of loans you know underneath them and they're talking to all their borrowers to say hey right. how's and you guys occupancy? know what works exactly we know what hey how's your occupancy rate you know to one borrower and we're talking to them and oh how you know you're really um you got a high occupancy compared to the market are you covering utilities what are you doing type of thing and, and uh You know they can always help you out. So if things are going bad, you know your lender should be one of the first people that you talk to, um, and not be
1: afraid uh, of what might happen. They're they're just there to help you out. Yeah, I mean that's great. Like what you're just talking about right there, that adds so much value that people don't think to go to their lender to get advice of how to get these Mm -hmm. units rented out or how to how to get you know that higher number per unit, Um, and just going to you and saying, well, you're the guy you know behind the wall that's able to talk to everyone and and see what everyone else is doing in their units, is working where. uh, uh, an investor like myself, I couldn't go down the street to the competitor and be like, "What are you guys doing? You're like, you're renting all these units so well." we where yeah, you're yeah. like the undercover agent for us?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, we have we all, you know, being a financial institution, you know, typically your lender's going to have access to subscriptions like Reese Moody's information that they're pulling data from, um, and they're looking at market trends. So it, it's just we always have an abundance of, of of data and information that we're we're looking at. And um, you know we're always more than willing to share that with people. Obviously, you know with privacy, um, we have to be careful with what we can share. But uh, you can always just have that conversation with them and talk to them about it, um, and 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 really pick their brain as to what what they're looking at. I mean, I have um, you know members that you know before the, these people even put a, a property under contract, you know, there's like, Hey, can you come look at it? Is this something you guys would be interested in on some of these bigger deals? You know, we go through and walk through the property with them, um, and building that team around you. And, you know, Dante, you've done a really good job of of it with between, you know, your lender, yourself, your attorney, you know, I'm sure you've got contractors that you work with and inspectors and things like that. Um, and really we, we talk about it all the time at those in our real estate investment meetings, um, Mm -hmm. is building that team around you and and, it's a team sport with you. Yeah, exactly. And that's how that's going to make you the most successful um, is, is bringing that team together um, and everybody staying on the, the same page and, and having good communication.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. And just to kind of touch back on something you're talking about about a minute ago, because I know we're going to move forward from it. Uh, flexibility between residential and commercial. I know you've heard this story before, but I want some of the listeners to hear it where um, I'm an agent. And so I was working with a group of three individuals who were looking to buy a student housing project and it was under one of those individuals name and they're doing 20% down. So, you know, we got the clear to close and we go to the closing table and they're we just about to the closing table. And This guy, you know, brings the 20% down for the, uh, the property and the lenders like, where'd you get all this money from? And he's like, Oh, you know, all my partners gave it to me and eh, you know, red light, stop everyone, mm-hmm. you know, because they're asking on the residential side, cause it's a residential uh, conventional 20% down loan. Where are you guys yep. getting all this money from? This isn't your personal funds. We can't do it. So we yep. literally had to wait X amount of weeks until this individual, the property's name was in was getting yep. all that money for the down payment from his checks from work. So it took like four weeks additional versus mm-hmm. the commercial side. I could win the lottery and just throw the money in there, or I can go ask <laughs> six people for their money and to get that 20% down or whatever is required. And we're going to go on the property. I mean, yep. especially It's huge because if you're doing a syndication or you have a large apartment complex and obviously you don't have 20% down yourself, you have Mm -hmm. private investors or hard money, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. So that's, that's huge for, you know, for the listeners on the commercial side. That is why we use commercial for so many things, even if it's a two unit or three unit or four units, a small uh, multifamily, you can still go commercial with it. Yep. Yep. And, and I, you know, a couple of things
0: that you're bringing, you know, bringing me back to, to talk about too, is, you know, um, as far as a residential versus commercial the you're not gonna be able to get a residential loan underneath an llc so the commercial loan is once you start establishing those llcs and you know purchasing properties and and placing them underneath those llcs you're going to have to go through a commercial lender whether it's a one unit a two unit or you know 100 unit um once it's underneath a a uh, llc you're going to have to have to you know use a commercial
1: lender Right. And of course, and for those of you that don't know, anything above a five unit or higher has to be commercial regardless. It can't be residential at that point. It has to be commercial.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, And then the other thing, you know, we were talking about term and amortization. For those of you that haven't had experience with a commercial um, loan yet uh, with commercial deals, you, you, your, your term and your amortization of your loan may not match up. When you go to get a residential loan, typically you're going to write, you know, you're going to have a 15-year conventional. So at the end of those, or 15 or 30-year conventional or whatever, however you want to phrase it, um, you know, 15 or 30-year loan at the end of year fifteen you're done paying or at the end of year thirty you're done paying if you just stay on that same payment schedule. Yep. Yep. When it's fixed. Um you know you're on that same payment schedule um throughout the entire term of the loan if you if you don't make any additional payments. Now on the commercial side of things, um your lender might do a 15 year term and amortize those payments over 25 years to give you some additional cash flow that you can either pull out and, and or or use for future investments, um, because you're making income on that rather than keeping it really, really tight. Um, and just being at like a, a, you know, a a net income equals your, your payment amount type of thing. Um, give you a little bit more flexibility and some room, you know, to pull some cash out. Or if um, you know, you're, you're, you're in a position where you really want to continue to put cash into this property and improve it, you know, they might stretch out that amortization. So at the end of year 15, you have a balloon payment that's due on that loan um, because you've been only making payments on a payment schedule of 25 years. um, But your actual loan, term is 15 years. Um, yeah. I know that can get a lo- a really confusing to a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I really want to- you
1: to touch on that real quick. Just break down the, the term versus the amortized schedule. I know yeah. we're going to go really you know simple terms on it, but I really yeah, want to yeah. push that point through to people because some people think well, the only mortgage I can do is, is a fixed mortgage and when the term's up, it's paid off. That is not mm-hmm. the case in commercial, yeah. almost yeah. never. Um, so really touch on term versus amortization uh, schedule, please. Yeah.
0: So basically the way it works is, so you have a 15 year term. So you're going to be making payments to the loan, um, for 15 years. And then those payments are on a payment schedule as if you were be making payments for 25 years, but you're actually only making them for those 15 years. So you're going to be paying a lesser amount, um, every single month than you would be if you were making it on a payment schedule of 15 years so do with doing that again you're making a lesser payment but your term is still only 15 years so at the end of year 15 you still have um principal that needs to be paid on that loan because you've been paying it as if it was going to be a 25-year loan but it's really only a 15-year loan so you have what they call the balloon payment due at the end so I think that's about as simple as terms as yeah, I can yep. make yeah I, I would say yeah
1: so <laughs> um, at, and the reason why for 15 over 25 so 15 year term versus the 25 payment schedule is that way it doesn't affect cash flow as much because if you try to push right. all of that down into 15 years 10 years even five years which is ridiculous mm-hmm. your property is not going to cash flow it's it's most likely going to be negative yeah, um, exactly. or, or just okay. break even so you guys you know you're looking out for the the investor
0: mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So, you you know, you might have a 15, 25 or like a 10, 10 15 year, 25 year amortization. You might have a 10 year term, um, 15 year amortization or 10 year term, 20 year amortization. It's really going to be that discussion that you need to have with your lender up front.
1: And, and again, it comes down with. to structure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that. You know, that's all structure that you're talking about. And typically, if you lower your amortization, you might be able to get a a little bit better of a rate with your lender. So if you if you can, if your cash flow is strong on that property and you're you're doing a 15 year term and a 20 a year amortization versus a 25, that's less risky for your lender because you're gonna have a a smaller um, balloon payment at the end. And, uh, you know, it's, it's less risk so that, you know, you might be able to get a, l- a little bit better rate. So that's something that you want to look at when you're you know, underrating your own deal and you're speaking with your lender.
1: Yeah. And it's just like a 15 year versus 30 year fixed mortgage. You're going to get a lower rate on a 15 year mm-hmm. or 20 year than you will a 30 year. So it's yep. just like the amortization schedule. 25 year is going to be the higher rate where a 20 or 15 year um, amortized, you know, it's going to be a lesser rate.
0: Um, yeah. And, and that loan to value too, you know, if you had the, the capital to, to go 75% loan to value or 70% loan to value, you can have that discussion with your lender and say, well, if I put, you know, an extra, extra money down, what can you do for my rate? If you're, you know, rate conscious Um, and then touching, you know, just touching on rates. Um, and I can't believe this hasn't got brought up yet, Dante is um, the rate adjustments.
1: Yeah. yeah um, I, that was literally the next word that's coming out of my mouth <laughs> is the arm loan uh, of the yeah. arm
0: Yeah. So they're adjustable. Um, The the rates are adjustable typically on your commercial mortgages, you know, between banks and credit unions. um, It doesn't really matter who you're going to, you're going to be subject to, to, to either like a five year fixed rate or a 10 year fixed rate. So again, to make this, you know, as simple as possible, as far as, as far as uh, putting it into words, you know, because these loans are all, you know, we deal with numbers every day. So putting, putting these into, into, into words is tough sometimes.
1: Right. We're just like, um, oh yeah, it's a, it's, it's a (laughs) a one over five arm. It's a 15 over 25 (laughs) schedule. We're good to go.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, you might have a 15 year term and, uh, you're, you're being offered a five year fixed rate of, you know, for just, um, just examples uh, for, yeah, for examples, um, They're we'll not say real numbers you know, for the rates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah We'll say like um, 5% or whatever. Um, and so you, you're going in rate is 5%. Um, you got a 15 year loan, five year rate lock. So at the end of year five, your rate is now going to adjust to a whatever they're using for an index minus or plus a margin. So if your index um, is at 5% and you um, had a, a margin of, of a half a percent, plus a half a percent, so your going in rate was 5.5%. At the end of year five, um, if your, your your index is at 5.25 and your margin is still that um, plus 0.5%, you're now going to be at a five point seven five rate. You know, you're on that fifteen year term. Your your rate's going to adjust at year five and year ten um, because at year fifteen, you're at your maturity. Um, so there's not going to be any rate adjustment there. Now some lenders do refinance
1: off. or whatever. Yep,
0: yep, yep. Either refinance or pay off. So with that. Um, some lenders do offer a 10 year fixed rate, um, as it is, you know, in, in almost all lending, um, if you are looking for a 10 year fixed rate, you're probably going to pay a little bit more as far as interest goes. You're going to have a higher interest rate. Um, same, you know, same thing with a 15 year conventional mortgage, residential mortgage in a 30 year, your rate is, um, higher on those 30 year conventional mortgages versus your 15 year conventional mortgage.
1: And then floor and ceiling.
0: Yeah. So floor, um, you know, that's something that you can negotiate with your lender with, and talk to them about, and say, you know, I'm going. My going in rate is is five percent, or whatever. You know, these are all figures, um, um, just just theoretical figures. Your going in rate is five percent. Um, uh, maybe they can set your floor down at four and a half. So if your index goes down, um, you have the rate, that the opportunity at at year five for um, a lower rate than what your going in rate was. Um if you so sometimes they set your going in rate. Um it's it's pretty standard. Right? They'll set your going in rate at um what your or they'll set your floor at what your going in rate as is. Right. So if you're you know you're at a five percent going in, your floor would be at five percent. Um your ceiling, they will set that. Um they might not have a ceiling, it depends on every single lender. Um typically there is some regulatory um there's, there's a regulation out there that's going to say, you know, they can't, the ceiling can't go above, you know, X, Y, Z percent because, you know, the banks, are, are, um, the banks are, are regulated by the FDIC and, you know, the credit unions are regulated by the NCUA. Um, and with that, uh, you know, comes, comes, you know, standards that we all have to meet. And, you know, sometimes people are using, um, you know, privatized lenders and that's something to kind of look at is do I have mm-hmm. a ceiling and, you know, do I have, what's my floor as well if you're using a, a privatized lender.
1: Right. And just to go back and kind of touch on two things. So, again, uh, a fixed rate and a, an arm, basically. When we're looking at a fixed rate, there, I mean, there's typically two things you're looking at the interest rate and the term. Those are the only mm-hmm. two things you're looking at, and you know you're set. Mm-hmm. Where uh, an, an arm mortgage or commercial mortgage, you're looking at four different things. You're looking at one, what the starting rate is, two, what, you know, uh, for the arm of when it adjusts. Three, you're looking at the term and four, you're looking at the amortization schedule. So there's a lot more to look at in the commercial realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and touching back on that term, when it does, when the term does hit and the balloon date is due, yeah. you obviously you're left with the balance, which you said mm-hmm. you can either refinance, which we can get to in a minute, or mm-hmm. you can um, pay, basically pay off the note. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, with that said, do you guys have prepayment penalties or do some commercial lenders have prepayment penalties to pay off that loan before that 15 year term or refinance yeah, so that's,
0: it. That, that's going to be different um, for every one of your lenders. Um, everybody's okay. got different things, you know, uh, whether they can charge a prepayment penalty or not, or they have like a yield maintenance. So can you pay in advance? Or can you make additional prepayment penalties? Um, typically or you pay can, on principle, you... right? Yeah. yep, yep. Pay on principal, um, pay down early. Um, however you want to phrase it, typically you can, um, Maybe some some institutions will have or or some lenders will have a penalty against, you know, you doing that. So, uh, you know, it's again, when you when you get in your term sheet and your commitment letter, these are all things that you're really looking at. And it's just that difference between residential versus commercial. You know, when you're in residential, you're pretty much expecting, you know, 30 year, um, 15 year, whatever it might be. And and you really want to look at those structure on your commercial deals. Um, And, you know, it's not a bad thing to have more than one lender a lot of people do, because if you're using a lender, you might get, as you grow, you might get capped out. They might have a a maximum that they can do as far as not only loan size, but, you know, total relationship wise. So it's, it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. And, you, you know, as a lender, I understand, um, you know, it's, there's competition as it should be out there. Um, that's, that's how, how it really should be. And that's how you keep a lender on their toes. Um, so, you know, you can get uh, multiple term sheets from a lender and, and kind of look at those structures and you know, documentation fees. Can, can a lender, you know, um, charge a little bit less of a documentation fee than another? Um, you know, think just, just things to look at when you're looking at those commitment letters
1: Yeah, and, so, and, and, okay.
0: and term sheets. It's, um, you know, typically what you'll send to your your lender to get a, a term sheet is just a brief overview of the deal, the underwriting that you've done. Um, you know, they might ask for some of your personal financials. They might ask for a rent roll of the property, um, things like that. You're going to send them some basic information. It's not going to be a complete application um, right. that you're going to submit to them. It's just basically saying, hey, I have this deal. Are you interested in it? Giving them enough information to do their own underwriting and, and take a look at it. And then the term sheet is non-binding. So, it, it just basically says, Hey, we're going to entertain this conversation. Um, you know, these terms, uh, obviously it's still subject to credit investigation, you know,
1: terms and conditions may change. So. Right. And that's before you you guys commit to the loan. Yep. Yep.
0: Exactly. So, so once your term sheet's in, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to go with lender X, Y, Z, then you put in your application. Typically your lender is not going to really change those terms and conditions. Um, There might be some minimal changes, um, and and that's you know something that you want to look out for. Your lenders is 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 the term sheet that I'm getting um, matching up to the commitment I ultimately get. Um, So once those term sheets go, you know you you reviewed them and you sent everybody everything in. It's gone through the underwriting process. It's gone through, um, gone for approval, and all those signatures are signed off on. You'll then get the commitment, which is you know we are committed to lend you this, and then obviously. Dante, as you know, there's a lot of contingencies that roll in, and Most you've got definitely. to provide. Yeah, you've got to provide, you know, financial information, leases. Um, right, and that's where, like,
1: you know, that's where you you should be getting multiple term sheets from multiple commercial lenders, so that way you can compare and kind of use them almost against each other, like you're yeah. you're shopping the loan. Um, yeah. And yeah. for those of you that are interested or interested or used to doing residential loans where you put in a commitment letter with your offer when you offer on a property if you're really putting your term sheet in with your offer um, yeah. because you're not at that point where you have commitment yet because commercial mm-hmm. again um, it's, it's a little more extensive in that standpoint yeah yeah yep. okay let's uh, let's kind of hop on over to uh, debt service coverage ratio
0: yeah uh, <laughs> this is gonna be great to explain over yeah this, this over is <laughs>
1: With, with no video, it's definitely yeah. tougher <laughs> with no whiteboard. Um,
0: yeah. It, you know, and, and one thing to, to just point out here is um, Dante does a really, really good job at underwriting his deals before he even sends it to lenders. He has a great understanding of it and he's great with an Excel spreadsheet.
1: Things so, that get me excited for a hundred, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I mean, you know, we, we all work with, with them and, and, and everything. And uh, the, 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 the spreadsheets are great and they're, they're really going to help you out. So it's kind of building that spreadsheet that works for you and, and, and finding, you know, leaning on the people that you know that are in the industry and say, Hey, can you you know help me out um, with some spreadsheets and, and, and show me um, what you're looking at when you're underwriting your deal before you even send it to your lender. So uh, right. yeah, to touch on the, on the debt service coverage ratio um, really what you're doing is you're taking your, your gross rents that you receive um, you're subtracting all out, all of your um, you know, cash or actual monetary expenses. So, you know, taxes, insurance, maintenance, repairs, utilities, advertising, markets, marketing, um, miscellaneous expenses, things that don't fit into an actual category. Um, You know, your management fee, um, replacement expenses for, for anything. Um, So you're taking out all you're, you're subtracting all of those out of your gross income to get your net cash flow. Uh, which is your or as or
1: you know, the investors know uh, NOI net operating income yep
0: yep net cash flow NOI um, you know however want you want to phrase that right. um, so you're getting to that NOI you're you know in, in, a, in a, if you're just starting out a, a good way to look at it is you know, if, you, if you pull up a schedule e of a tax return, take a look at that. Um, that's going to give you an idea of all of those expenses. Um, you can pull up a blanket, you know, Schedule E, you know, on the, on the internet if you just, you know, type it into Google, um, and that's going to give you an idea of all the expenses that, you, that you're going to be looking at, um, you know, and your and what your lender is going to be looking at. But, the, you know, a couple things that we don't take into effect is depreciation, amortization, and an interest expense, um, and I'll get into that in a minute. Depreciation and amortization are non-cash items. You're not physically pulling money out of your pocket and paying those expenses. It's um, a tax although they benefit are on, really. yep, yep. Uh, as, although they are on the, the um, schedule E, um, they're non-cash items. So you're getting your net operating income and then you're taking your debt service or what your annual payments are going to be for both principal and interest. And just to make things easy, um, if you your annual payments were $10,000 um, and your net operating income was $20,000, you would take that net operating income and divide um, that by your debt service, which is that $10,000 to get your debt service coverage ratio, which is would be in that and with those figures would be a 2.0 typical industry standard is a 1.20 debt service coverage. So typically your lender is not going to lend to you um, unless that property stabilized is, 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 is showing an an actual um, 1.20 debt service
1: coverage ratio. And what you just said right there is huge where you said stabilize. So for, for underwriting, when I underwrite a deal for myself, I always look to try to get it at 1.25 just to be safe. So I have a little bit of offering room, but stabilized, what the debt service coverage ratio is stabilized—that's huge because you can buy a property that's below the one percent or the one point mm-hmm. on the debt service mm-hmm. coverage ratio. Um, mm-hmm. But the whole point is to get it to that stabilized, you know, debt service coverage ratio where you can mm-hmm. increase it over that one point two zero number.
0: Yeah, so it might be something as far as increasing the occupancy. Um, or you know, increasing rates to market rents, you're gonna to wanna, to, if you are buying a property that is not stabilized, you're gonna to wanna to go in with a plan and your lender's gonna to wanna to know what your plan is yep. to get them uh, to get that property to stabilize. Um, so, you know, that's something Well, that's even at. lowering
1: expenses too to get there.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. You can always touch on that as well. Um, you know, and, and Dante, uh, you can probably touch on this as well is, is when you're doing these bigger deals. You know, you're going to want to take a look at the seller's, um, you know, past expenses. Three years, yeah, yeah, past three years of tax returns. Say, I would like to see them. You know, that the Schedule E, what it what it breaks down at. You know, they can give you a a P and L, but you, there's only so much trust in those P and Ls. What really happened is is what's on the tax returns. Let's see, you know exactly what you filed to the IRS.
1: Um, uh, which is real numbers for for the most part. And that's why on those larger commercial properties, those apartment buildings, we specifically have a due diligence period to review the financials because you need to review Mm -hmm. all those numbers to make sure everything's Mm -hmm. accurate or somewhat accurate and see where you can come up with. That's why, um, when I'm kind of underwriting a deal, I have, you know, four rows. The first Mm -hmm. one is what they're currently offering the property at. The second row is what, what they actually have for numbers as far as, um, what I think, you know, they should be having for insurance on the property, what they should have for mm-hmm. expenses where mm-hmm. I can see they're kind of lacking. Then mm-hmm. the third one is going to be what I plan to offer and how the property sits now with what I offer. And then the mm-hmm. fourth one is what I'm going to make the property, how I'm going to adjust the NOI and what the debt yeah. service coverage to cash on cash, the cap rate and all that good stuff that you guys look at. That's important. Yeah. Again, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Property. And, I, and I mean, those tax returns, those schedule E's from the
0: seller are so strong to a lender. You know, if we can write something and historically it's performed, um, it we have so much more confidence than somebody coming to us with something that's based off of projections. There's just so much more strength in those historical numbers. So if you can't get that at all, you know, we just strongly advise it, um, especially on your bigger deals. You're 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 always going to want to really get that on your bigger deals, unless again you're buying something that's unstabilized and you have that plan um to go in and do it i mean there's specific investors that that's all they do you know and they've built that relationship with their lender so that their lender trusts them you know to go in there and make those adjustments and 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 stabilize that property and and, you know increase rents and and, uh, reduce vacancy um, those type of things so uh you know it's all again building that relationship and and, and really looking at those numbers. And again, I can't, can't say enough, you know, Dante's great at running those numbers and being realistic. um, I talked about this at your meeting the other night um, was, you know, you can, you can take your, your, your um, numbers and and, and say, yeah, well, I'm not going to have a management fee of of um, 5% or whatever it might be, but you're lenders always going to write that in there. And the reason being is I touched on it earlier is if we have to take over that property, we're going to have to pay to, to have that, that property managed. We're going to have to pay a management company.
1: Um, right. And the and, senior and, commercial and loan officer is not going to hop over to collect <laughs> rent every month and go no, fix I, leaky toilets and all that yeah, good stuff. I,
0: I can guarantee, you know, I will not be doing that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, you know and, and, and even even beyond that is if the, the, the financial institution is looking to sell that property, Maybe the person that's buying it is going to operate it with a, a, a management uh, company under, underneath it. So um, it, it's really looking at that and being realistic. Um, you know, uh, something I touched on as well is re- replacement reserves. Sometimes your lender might make you put away, you know, between $150 a unit to $250 a unit and hold that in escrow, basically in an escrow account. And um, in the event that there is any major re- re- repairs or, or, or um, replacements that need to be made, the lender, if, if the bar was short on cash, they can go to the lender and say, Hey, I've got that replacement reserve account. Can, I need to use that money. Here's some invoices. This is what I'm using it for. And you know, your is probably not going to have a problem with saying, you know, here, here it is. Um, you know, go ahead and get your work done. We'll make the check right out to the, the, the uh, contractor. Um, and that's just us. there, you know, protecting our asset and our investment so that, you know, if, if money is tight, um, or something happens um, that money's already there and it's not a huge expense and uh, coming right out of your I mean pocket you're,
1: you're basically budgeting for the investor so if you guys have an 100 unit in the portfolio and you guys do maybe like a yearly walkthrough and you're like yep. uh, you know that section of the roof is kind of coming down we've got yep. this you know repair reserve over here we can just take money out of and it's not gonna affect your cash flow because we already have it set aside and yep. we can yep. you know repair that roof so there's a more extensive damage yep. now yep. with the repair reserve or reserve repairs. Um, yep. is that additional on top of the mortgage? Does that go away after they hit a certain cap? Um, is that yeah. negotiable? Uh, what yes. happens if they cap it out, they take money out and they have to you know, put money back in to replace yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I knew you're, this is where we're going to head. So, uh,
0: these are actually unique accounts and they're, they're really not a bad thing. I think they're great. They're, they're, a great they are tool yeah. for borrowers. Um, so basically the way that it works is, um, It is an addition to your monthly payment. Um, so, you know, if you're paying $500 interest, $500 principal, again, these are just figures to make things easy. You've got a thousand dollar payment. Your lender might collect a hundred dollars a month for, um, you know, 20 months to make that up to $2,000. Which is such a minuscule amount people need to realize. Yeah, exactly. You know, so so maybe it, it. And again, it really depends on the deal size. If you got something with a lot more units, they're going to hold a, a larger amount in reserve. Um, larger deals, you're going to hold you know larger amounts in reserve. Um, so basically, you know, they build that up to two thousand. Once that's hit that two thousand dollar mark. Your payment is only going to be that $500 interest, $500 principal. You're capped out. You've hit what you, you've needed. And that, that'll all be in your commitment letter as well. And your lender should talk to you before they even submit the deal to say, yeah, you know, it looks like this is, the, this is you know, what we're looking at as far as a replacement reserve account, if they're going to need it. Um, and then so next, you know, once you've built it up, you know, say you've been sitting on that and property and there's no no major repairs needed. Um, the next thing you know, the, the hot water heater goes out. And you need, you know, um, a thousand dollars of that to help with the an cost expensive of hot water heater. <laughs> well, you know, change it over from natural gas to, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. You know, you, if you, if the, you know, you got a major repair, um, and you need a thousand dollars. Nicholas is not that. a
1: contractor for those of you that couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I, I, avoid no, that. I joke.
0: Um, so, um, you know, you got a thousand dollar repair you go to your lender and say, Hey, I really need you know, some help. Or even if you don't need help, it's your money. Why not use it? Um, you know, and, uh, you, you're going to bring that invoice to him from, you know, X, Y, Z contracting. Um, and they'll say, okay, uh, they'll hold that on file. They'll make the check right out to X, Y, Z contracting. Um, and that check out for a thousand dollars. And then next month, your payment will then go back to $500 interest, $500 principal and a hundred dollars reserve money until that builds builds back up to, to the $2,000 mark. Um, so that, that money is set aside. You know, some lenders and, and, touching back on this is having that relationship. You, some lenders might say, Hey, we've got to walk through the property yearly just so we can make sure our collateral is sufficient. You know, they, it's nothing major. They just walk through, um, you know, check on the appliances, things like that, especially on your larger deals. um, You're going to, your lender's going to probably do an annual inspection um, as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that's a such, like such an important tool, especially for those who are getting started that really (laughs) may not know how to budget for a property or they're still learning. Yeah, um, yeah. You guys yeah. are lending a helping hand in that. Um, yeah. And yeah. And, you know, to kind of, of segment. Go, go ahead. Yeah. A lot of people look at it,
0: you know, eh, there's such, so, such mixed, mixed feelings on those replacement reserve accounts. Um, you know, I can some people see like, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I got to pay more than that already. And it's like, it's your money. It's still there. It's still there for you type of thing. And you know, yeah, you could be investing that money elsewhere, uh, but typically they're not going to be asking you for anything out of the ordinary. Um, unless you, you're buying something that's got some age to it. It's not, you know, turnkey. Um, and, and that lender anticipates, you know, some major repairs be, need to need needing to be made um, right. within, within the first, you know, five years of a loan type of thing. And, you know, you might get down the road and, and you're five to 10 years into that mortgage and you that replacement reserve accounts just been sitting there. Um, if you have a good relationship with your lender, you might be able to say to them, Hey, that reserves account has been sitting there. Let's go walk through the property. You can see I've replaced all of this. I've never asked you for a dime. Can you re- you know return that back to me? Um, typically, you know, you, it, depending on what the, the lender's policy and procedure is, um, you might not have an issue with that.
1: Right. Yeah. So I mean, again, I th- I could see the positive and the negative with that. Mm -hmm. Um, someone that might want it in there because they don't know how to handle their money and they want it in a Mm -hmm. reserve or someone Mm -hmm. else says, you know, I I can have control over my money or I know where it needs to go and and they want to account for more. I get it. Um, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I do. Uh, so speaking of someone that may be newer and doing commercial lending, some Mm -hmm. people, I don't know why wouldn't believe in an LLC or they don't want to have an LLC. (laughs) Can someone commercial, uh, do a commercial mortgage in their personal name without an entity? They certainly can
0: Um, you know, you don't, you do not have to have an LLC. Um, and actually, you know, if you're just starting out, your lender might say to you, and I'll let you run away with this, um, one Dante is, um, you know, your lender might say, uh, Hey, your LLC, uh, we can't do it just underneath the LLC. Um, we have to add you as a co-borrower on there, Mm -hmm. um, to make the deal a little bit stronger. Um so you know they especially when you're getting started, you maybe your first deal, maybe your first two deals, you might be in a position like that. Um so you might be the the LLC as the borrower and then also you as an individual as a borrower. And sometimes with the cash flow, it might have to work out that way because we can't use your individual income as a means of um a means for means for repayment unless you're actually right. a borrower on there versus a guarantor. If you're a guarantor we can't use that income. And then you know, you're the real estate guy. So I'll let you talk about the deeding. And right. Yeah. That. So,
1: so story time. Uh, when <laughs> I, you know, I did my first multifamily property when I was 21, I took it out my own personal name. Uh, when I went back to my lender who I did that with, I said, give me more money. I have more properties I want to buy. No can do. You're 21 years old. You only make XYZ a year, and you haven't been able to claim any of this rental income. Oh darn, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to do this. So I can, you know, show. no, I'm going to find out a way. So what I did was I formed an LLC. I found a property that would stand up on itself. So if you guys as the lender had to take over the property, it would be stabilized. It was cash flow, and it'd be a good investment for anyone who would to take it um, in. Now the other part of that, because when I did one of these commercial mortgages and this was my first one through the LLC, I had to sign as the co-borrower or the co-signer. Now, the kicker is someone that's going to say, well, why'd you just make an LLC? Why'd you sign as the co-buyer? What's the point of having the LLC for liability protection? Two things. One, I had to sign as the co-buyer to get the first commercial mortgage, commercial loan. The second one, I have the LLC for entity protection. But, and I checked with my attorney before we went through with all of this, the title and the deed is only in the llc the entity's name it's only under the business i am not on there therefore i'm not liable if someone Mm -hmm. was to slip and fall on the steps in the shower hurt themselves or want to come after me they'd Mm -hmm. be going through the entity for that protection the only spot you're going to see my name is going to be on the physical mortgage itself i'm guaranteeing i i don't want to say guaranteeing but i'm I'm co-signing on that note Mm -hmm. versus the llc is still there the property is titled and deeded to that business so the business is the protection so it's functioning as the LLC should Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't want anyone you know to get scared when they go with an LLC and they ask them to sign as the co-borrower that's fine you gotta do that maybe the first one two or three times possibly depending on you know your relationship with the lender and how your financials look Um, Mm -hmm. but you're gonna sign as the guarantee guarantor I always screw those up uh, (laughs) down the road for the loans yeah yeah
0: and, I, I mean, there's so many resources out there um, mm-hmm. to, to that will talk to you about, you know, forming LLCs and and everything like that, you know, to put those properties underneath and, um, you know, the benefits to it. And I think it's really, really important for people to, to realize that and use those resources that are out there. I mean, we just, I mean, just in the Syracuse community alone. Um, there's so many people out there willing to help and lend a hand um, yep. from every aspect, you know, from everything, from, from maybe partnering with somebody to um, you know, lenders out there, to attorneys, to accountants that can just help you out. Um, and you know, we've been talking about it for what uh, 51 minutes now and, and it keeps coming up. It's just it building it build those relationships.
1: You know? Yeah. And again, coming down to that team where before I did this loan, I talked to my attorney and said, Hey, am I going to be liable if anything happens? No. So it's coming down to the team players on that. So mm-hmm. again, that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Let's say uh, I was to purchase a property. I, I know the answer to this, but just so people know, um, yeah. let's say I was to purchase a property in cash. I was doing mm-hmm. the Burr method, so I was buying the property in cash. I was rehabbing it, then I go for the cash out refinance with you guys. A few questions mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a seasoning period of when you purchase the property before you can pull financing on it? And you know, go, okay. go ahead. No, no, you're good. Um,
0: you know, uh, you know, every lender is going to be different on that um, right. as far as a seasoning period. Some people might have written in policy and procedure, you know, it has to be a certain amount of time. Um, you know, it's really going to depend lender to lender what they're looking at. And, you know, nowadays, our, these commercial appraisals are so advanced and so um, unique and, and so strong that you can get appraisals that are as is, as completed, and as stabilized. So your lender can structure that loan based off of those three values. And, and really, you know, they can get crafty with it and, and say, I can advance you 80% of your as is, um, and then 80, you know, the remaining amount, um, the difference, you know, of the what we advanced you, and then your as um as stabilized value or as completed value so you can really get crafty with that and, and and that's where i think it helps with not having to have a you know a total seasoning period because you can write deals just based off of um off of uh you know projections you know your lender key has the ability to do that versus historical numbers so to say that you know there's a, a seasoning period that it has to meet you know a lot of a lot of lenders are going to
1: be very flexible with that Right. And again, that comes down to the commercial lending, how much fun it is really because you can structure it however you'd like It's, you know, it's, it's in, it's a blank sheet of paper. You can really do what you want. Um, And that's pretty cool. So to touch back, we're not going to go into burr because that's going to be a whole nother episode with with someone else for the burr. But when you're doing that cash out refinance, when I buy the property in cash and then I, um, I, you know, rehab the property and then I go for the cash out refinance, um, mm-hmm. typically, I mean, I know not just you guys, but any terms, like, what are you looking at? Like a 75, 80% loan to value that you're willing to give us or let us pull out, out that property. Yep.
0: Yep. So typically, you know, industry standard is going to be around 80% of the as appraised value because, right. you know, we've kind of focused this maybe maybe more towards, um, purchases. We, we focus, you know, the, uh, this podcast more towards the fir- purchases on the beginning of this. Um, so I can certainly talk about, you know. Uh, you know, if you are in the Burr method, um, yeah. So we had a lot of people do that. Actually, um, they will pay, pay cash, rehab it with cash, and then um, pull out the equity. Yeah, pull out the equity and, and basically pay themselves back and, and move on to, to the next deal. So um, what we would do is, you know, structure that as a as a um, as eighty percent of the as appraised value. Um, so wherever that appraisal comes back at, you know, typically you're going to have an idea, you and your lender are going to come up with an idea of what, right. they, you know, you think that um, value is. Um, so, uh, you know, it might be, uh, we'll use again, fake numbers, you know, $500,000 um, not to exceed 80% of the as is appraised value, you know, and, and, and your money is, you're, you're free to do. Um, whatever you you'd like with that money typically they're not you know they might regulate it into into something um, they might not you might be able to take that all out as as cash and you know for the next deal. Um, and you know a lot of I see a lot of people do um, like hard money loans and then yep. take out the um, we'll, you know the bank will will take out the hard money lender on that they'll pay them off and then the remaining money left over you know goes right to the borrower.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a powerful method and that's, you know, one of the methods I'm using in one of my properties right now is I use private lenders to secure this property in all cash and to Mm -hmm. do all the rehabbing. And then once I'm done with it, you know, off of what I've calculated, hopefully we'll get the appraised value that I have calculated and that 80% will cover everything I'm into the property for. So technically I'm in a zero down situation, but there's still 20% worth of equity. So if yeah. the bank ever had to take over the property, you guys ever had to take over the property, um, yeah. you, you know, your interest is covered. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The the, the thing is, is 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 really creating that plan, and it's like, what do I want to do with this property? What is my real plan? Um, because you don't want to have to go through those closings um, because you know, the, the fees that are associated with a commercial closing are you know substantial. I mean, for, you know, when you're talking about residential loans versus commercial loans um, the, the, the closing costs are, are, are substantial right. in that, in that aspect. So you don't want to go ahead and buy something um, with uh, you know, agency, you know, you know, bank funding or credit union funding or whatever it might be. And then um, you know, a couple down years down the road after you've put a bunch of money into it, you know, out of your own pocket, say, Hey, I want to pull my equity back out and have to pay those, you know, closing costs again. So, you know, really figuring out what your plan is with that property, um, over the next, you know, five, you know, really two, three, five, 10, 15 years. Um, so that you can come up with what's your best plan for the financing. And, you know, I, as you guys can tell, Dante's thinks this stuff, you know, probably more through than he even needs to. Um, yeah. But, but uh, half time. you know, he, <laughs> what, with what he's, he just described, of what he's doing, um, using private private money, he's just in a great position.
1: Yeah. And so that's, you know, for the listeners, that's something I did. You know, I, I had this property I had under contract, grossly undervalued for 42500 And I brought it to Nicholas and I said, hey, can you guys put like an interest only short term loan on this? while I'm doing the repairs so I can do, you know, a cash out refinance on it and pull out 80% of the equity. And you're like, I I just don't want to do it. Anything under 50,000, you're just like the costs are just grossly overweight with the whole thing. So that's where I was like, all right, you know, listening to my lender, he's probably right. (laughs) Go send out a few emails, get some private money, which makes it a lot easier. And I can, yes, it's a little bit higher interest, but Mm -hmm. um, the way I have it structured, I'm paying a flat percentage on the whole amount I'm borrowing. So it works out a little better um mm-hmm. so that's huge um real quick because we're starting to get to that one hour mark so i'm just gonna yeah. wrap it up a little um, yeah what advice would you give for for someone who's looking to get started in the commercial space or looking to take on a commercial loan what would you tell someone who never has before
0: yeah so i touch on this a lot um when i do you know I, i'm speaking to a lot of you know a lot of listeners or or you know speaking in public about know what i do in our process and things like that um you know is get your lender involved as soon as you possibly can um in the process and let them know so it's on their radar um you know we're lenders we have a huge pipeline of loans um out there and, and you know we're all again your lender should be treating everybody the same, whether it's a, you know, a $50,000 deal or a hundred thousand dollar deal or a $20 million deal. Um, you know, we, we want to treat everybody equally, but if you come to us at the last second and they're like, yeah, I went through my due diligence period. Hey, here's all, all this. Stuff. What, what kind of information do you need to get this, to, you know, this loan started? Um, you're already behind the ball game, you know, and you want to close yeah. that within, you know, 30, 30, 60 days type of thing. Um, you know, the, the lenders are like, we've only got so much we can do in, in a period of time with these commercial loans. There's a lot of people's hands that are on deck um, yep. that go into it. You know, your lender's not just doing all the work there. We have, we have our own team behind us that's helping us out. And, you know, we've got to take this stuff for approval. Um, and, and get signatures on it, and, and, and you've got attorneys involved. And the appraisals—they um, take a while. So get your lender involved as soon as you can. I, mean, we, I have people that call me and say, "Hey, you want to go look at this property with me? We'll take a walk through, see—you know—if it's something that you guys are interested. In, and and that way, there I have an idea, and, and I know what's kind of coming. And really, once you get that first deal, and you're working with a lender, or your first couple deals, and you're working with a few different lenders, you're going to be providing tax returns and information to them. The um, whole—you know. All, annually anyways so once you have that relationship built they've got to you know they should have everything on file so that when you do find a property you should be sending them a new application um a rent roll um, of the property um you know your personal financial statement should always be updated anyways um so you shouldn't really have to send that you know you really should be it should be limited as as to maybe a purchase contract um, a rent roll from them, um, and, and and maybe a statement of payoff of, you know, what, what you have to pay, um, off on that property or, or if there's any other debt that's out there on that property. Um, so, you know, staying in contact with them and making sure that they're in the loop as early as you possibly can. And I mean, I'm talking on some of these bigger deals you're talking about, you know, from the the time that you really start to just look at it, just giving them a phone call and saying, Hey, this is what I'm looking at. Um, just so you know, so that we can put it on our calendar and have it on our radar um, and really know about it. So that's, you know, my advice as far as working with your lender, um, be transparent with them, you know, stay in contact with them. Um, Don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, You know, lenders are very knowledgeable people when it comes to real estate. We see a lot of different stuff um, out in the market and um, just, uh, you know, working with them and building that team, team around you. And, you know, hopefully your lender has a good relationship with your attorney and, you know your your team that's around you as well, um, because you know, building that and having good communication throughout the entire process is is definitely key.
1: Yeah, no that that's a good word. I mean, and again, it comes down to you know the team on the same frequency on the same channel, all talking to each other mm-hmm, to make mm-hmm. this thing run smoothly. I mean, attorneys, lenders, insurance brokers, uh, yep, agent, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone on on the same side so accountant. we know what's going on. Yep, exactly. Yep, yeah, it's yep, very your important. Accountant
0: everybody everybody's on the same page and you know, even even if you're you're a lender and your accountant have a good a good relationship you know when they do get those tax returns if there's something out of the ordinary you know they can call the, the accountant and just talk to them you know with with, with the borrower's permission and, and just have they'll be able to have that conversation so uh, you know everybody's familiar with each other and, and everybody's got a good communication flow
1: yeah no that's good um before we uh wrap it up here do you have any uh Lending horror stories, any foreclosure <laughs> stories, anything fun you can talk about, or probably can't talk about.
0: No, no. I mean, I'm not going to touch on anything, you know, anything too bad. And, You know, just to make it clear, I'm not talking on behalf of visions Federal Credit Union. I'm talking, um, you know, as as an uh, you know a, a commercial lender um, who just so happens to work at work uh, for them. <laughs> anything that we talked about, you know, it, all the numbers are figured figures um, you know, a, any of that information. Uh, but I can tell you, you know, a little bit about when I started out and I talked about this the other, the other night. So I started oh, nice. out in lending, uh, you know, doing the subprime loans, you know, people with, with 550 credit scores and, yep. and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, I was working in uh, downtown Harrisburg and uh, I was working for a lender down there. And, you know, we, you know, that we had to collect our own loans down there, um, you know, Nowadays, you know, loan starts to go bad, and you, you kind of shift it over to a a, a, a collection collection department. agency. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, um, you know, I had to collect my own loans down there, and uh, you know, I'm not a very big guy. I'm six foot, and you know, 100. And it's tall time. skinny white oiling. kid walking yeah, down the street you know, in a suit. Like 50, yeah, I was probably about 150 pounds. Um, you know, always you know trying to dress as well as I can, so I'm in a suit and I'm walking down the streets of Harrisburg. And, uh, you know, there was some loans on the, on the, on the books that weren't going so well. And, you know, I'm like out taking pictures of these, these cars because, you know, I got to I got to get the repo guys so that he can, uh, you know, he can, he can see where this car is, see what it looks like. And, and I can send him the pictures and say, hey, um, you know, it's parked out on the street, on this street, you know, can you please go don't get her? Type <laughs> of thing? Oh my gosh, man. And I, I, you know, it was at that time I looked out, you know, i am looking around, you know, in, in Harrisburg and I'm like, Oh man, I'm, uh, i'm not cut out for this uh i need to i need to i need to do something else like i can't i can't be doing this it was just very high stress and i was working crazy hours you know 60 hours a week you know calling people and collecting and making loans and writing you know 60 loans in a month type of stuff like two a day just 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 pumping them out and and, uh you know now it's like you know if i did uh if, if i did uh you know 10, 15, 20 loans in a year, you know, I'd be, you know, they'd be killing it. So it's, uh, you know, it's funny how things come full circle and, you know, I always had that vision of, you know, continuing to move up and, and doing the, you know, bigger and being that commercial loan officer and, and uh, getting into you know, the multi-million dollar deals, and and I'll tell you what, Syracuse markets treating me very, very well right now. Um, it's great to see. There's a lot going on in the Syracuse market, and and uh, you know the borrowers are great, and you know a lot of them are local investors. And that's what I really, I really like to see. I like to see the local investors in Syracuse do well, um, and partnering with them and, and uh, working with them on projects. So everything's come full circle, and and you know here I am, and uh, you know working with you, and working with a lot of people in the area, and I'm really enjoy it.
1: Yeah, man. I, I love it. I, I love seeing the local investors. I mean, I'm sure you've made some awesome, awesome yeah. connections with people. And yeah. again, to the listeners, I can't stress enough how much these, local meetups, these local free classes that you need to attend these. Cause this is where I met Nicholas, you know, he yeah. was sitting on the other side of the table <laughs> and we're going around the table and everyone's like, "Yeah, hey, I'm looking to get invested. You know, I'm starting to look at investing. I have a few properties. And then we go over to Nicholas and he's like, yeah, I'm a commercial lender. And I like, literally I'm like, give me your card. Like you're the kind of guy I need to talk to here. And look yeah. at the relationship we built, you know, now yeah, we're doing yeah. business together. Yeah. We're going to be doing multiple deals together and it's very yep. important.
0: Yep. Yep. It, like you said, it's very important. And, you know, going to those meetups, I can't stress it enough. I, you know, my, the first week of the month is like I'm single, A meet up every, every single oh, night, know. And, you know, they're, they're good though. I mean, you get so motivated being around people like-minded individuals um, like that. They're that that are really trying to make a difference in, in, in themselves and also in their community because, you know, with the real estate investing, we're all looking out for ourselves, right? You know, we're, we're trying to grow our mm-hmm. pockets, but really we're, we're kind of developing communities and providing affordable and sustainable places for people to live. Um, right. and, and we, and, and, and the people that are going to those, they really care about their properties. So the properties are brought up to another, you know, the next standard rather than being, um, you know, depleted and, 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 and deprived properties or abandoned properties. Um, you know, you can really transform communities and, and whole areas of the city and, and in, in neighborhoods and in different different areas by by having you know all those people together.
1: Right. No, it's it's a good word. Um, Nicholas, if someone wants to uh, put together a sick structured commercial deal, how can they get in contact with you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll give you guys my cell phone number. Um, you know, feel free to call or um, shoot me a text. Uh, phone number 409 Eight seven three one. I will leave the email off of it again. I'm not speaking. Um, yeah, on behalf, you know, yeah, on behalf of Vision's Federal Credit Union. Um, that, that number is typically good
1: from uh, yeah. midnight until four in the morning. So feel <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> free to hit that line at those times. <laughs> no, it's
0: good. It's in all reality, it's good from about seven in the morning until seven or eight at night. You know, this is it's what I do right now, and uh, you know, I do take vacations, but I'm, we're always working. We're always you know like minded individuals. Dante and I are on the same page. For I think I, I think. I think when we, uh, you know, started working together, I was on vacation in the Adirondacks. So I like, didn't have cell phone service. I was driving to get service so I could talk to Dante. I, I actually oh yeah. That. So, um, I'm like, yeah, can we,
1: someone talk to me, please? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was up there and had no cell phone service. So, yeah, um, you know, feel free to always reach out to me, even if you just have questions. I've got a lot of people that are in their infancy stage right now. They don't have any deals. They're just looking and they're trying to get in. They're just looking for some guidance. And you know, i you know, no problem with sharing what you know, what I do, and, and how I can help you out. So, um, you know, always feel free to hit that. And if you need it, um, go ahead and get a hold of Dante. Dante's got all of my contact information. He is uh, more than welcome to share that.
1: Awesome. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much for taking the time this evening to be on the show and just uh, drop some knowledge and yeah. really uh, let people take away what commercial lending really is. So, I appreciate yeah, your time. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you putting the podcast together and.
1: Um, All the listeners out there, uh, you know,
0: thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, if you have questions about loans that you want answered, feel free to reach out to myself or Dante. If you have a list, send them to Dante or send them to myself. We'll get them answered for you.
1: Awesome. Thank you guys so much for stopping into this week's episode and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode.
0: For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.